We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready. That is MPW Digital football expert Pete DeWeese. Get you ready tonight for Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, 6.30 on Saturday in Oxford, Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. The game, of course, televised on the SEC Network. Vanderbilt still looking for its first SEC win of the year. Ole Miss, meanwhile, ranked 12th in the country, coming off their uh, 28-21 win at Auburn. The Rebels trying to get to 4-1 and in the SEC and setting up a uh, stretch run that would include Texas A&M, Georgia. That will include, one way or the other, Texas A&M, Georgia, and uh, Mississippi State in addition to a uh, non-conference game against an Ivy League opponent, Louisiana Monroe. So that game uh, that game in November. But uh, Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, 6.30 on Saturdays. So we'll talk plenty about that in just a minute. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of? Whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered home or business. As a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured Riverland Services, Mississippi, and its surrounding states. So text or call Riverland today at 662-644-4297. We are also brought to you by Twisted Tea. I'll tell you about Twisted Tea here in a little bit. Uh, But first, uh, Pete, how are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. So Ole Miss goes to Auburn. I think that game went about the way that you thought it probably would go. A little, uh, you knew Auburn would would be ready to play. You knew they'd get they'd give Ole Miss their best effort. They did. Uh, Ole Miss a little sloppy early. Uh, some penalties, some stuff that kind of uh, uh, thwarted them a little bit. Jackson Dart made one of his few bad throws of the year, threw a pass behind a little bit, led to a pick, kind of disrupted some momentum. But in the second half, Ole Miss took care of business, jumped out to a twenty eight to fourteen lead, and then. Auburn scored late to make the game sound a little and look a little closer than it probably was. It was a, a convincing second half win for Ole Miss, I thought. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I you know, it, it was weird. Um, that game could have easily gone to halftime with Ole Miss up 10, 14. Um, the, 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 the errant throw that's behind the receiver from Dart, there were a couple others in the first half. And, and I, I'll say this. We talked last week about there being some good players on the front for Auburn. Talked a little bit about their secondaries, and, and they got some bodies back last week. And I thought their secondary was really good in that game. Yeah. Um. And and Kiffin said as much. I I think in his press conference. But when they got some of their guys back and they were healthy, man, they were able to do some good things on the back end. And and if they're healthy going into LSU. We all know how hard that offense is to stop, but the numbers don't look the same because they they are a really talented secondary. Um, and you know, but but I thought that Ole Miss, like I said, at any point, like at one point, I just I just remember I kept thinking to myself, and I looked at my wife, and I said it was in the third quarter. I said this this game's a lot closer than it should be, and and at the same time, it's you know Auburn's not far away from from really being in control. At the same time, it was. It was kind of weird um, when realistically you take away the one, uh, the one long touchdown run by by Jarquez Hunter and um, a couple of missed opportunities. That there wasn't much there for Auburn offensively. There just was. Ole Miss, I thought, had some good answers for everything Auburn wanted to do, 
and and obviously in the second half really found some things defensively and that's probably been you know it, it, for all the the kind of tip the cap moments you could have for Pete Golding and that defensive staff this year and just for the unit as a whole they've played some very good second half football in several games and and the the halftime adjustments whether it's just been about calming their kids down and getting their eyes in the right place, or it's actually been in making an adjustment to what they're calling. Um, I, I think they've done a really good job. That was evident again in the Auburn game. And um, offensively, you know, I, Ole Miss came out and they said, this isn't a team that's going to make it easy to run the ball, um, but but we're going to do it. And, and they were able to crease some things. Uh, there were times where I thought the offensive line were playing about as well in the run game as they've played this season against some pretty good players. And then there were some times where, you know, Auburn was able to have some success and run defense, but that's going to happen from time to time. So obviously there's a lot of talk here in Oxford about Texas A&M, about Georgia. First things first is you got to get through Vanderbilt. Um, it's a Vanderbilt team that the last couple of years has, I don't want to overstate this, but they've given Ole Miss some some headaches a little bit. Two years ago, they stayed in that game against Matt Corral and the Rebels into the fourth quarter. Last season, they led Ole Miss at the half before Ole Miss just dominated the second half of that game in kind of a blowout. In Nashville, it's a Vanderbilt team that I actually thought Pete would be a little better than this this year. Uh, they're they're 2-6, and 0-4 oh in the league. They're not the only 0-4 oh team, but... Uh, they're they're struggling. They don't they don't appear to uh, they don't appear to be on their on their way to winning a bunch of SEC games. I think people around their program thought they might be a little bit better than this right now. It's a it's a process, but it's a hard, very hard, very very hard place to win. Um, they've got a little quarterback change this this week. Uh, they're going with Seals instead of Swan. Swan's still coming back from an injury. Seals has done some decent things defensively. They've not been good offensively. They've struggled in general. Um. I guess before you just completely dive in, and I, it, I'm handing it to you at this point. But what do you, what do you generally, your thoughts on the Commodores? Um, you know they they are a well coached team. I uh, you you see that on film, you see it with what they're trying to do. They are also in most spots an outmatched team. Yeah, right. I mean that that's just the reality. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I mean that there are some guys on that that team that can make some plays. And I think I read this, and I think Kevin said it Monday in the press conferences, they do a great job of getting their best players in the position to succeed, right? I mean, they they get it to their best guys. They funnel. I mean, C.J. Taylor, number one defensive player for them, um, he's listed as an anchor on their roster. It's kind of an overhang, strong safety, nickel-type position, kind of a jack-of-all-trades a little bit. The kid can – flat out play. I mean, he's a six one, two hundred pounds, and just looking at his numbers, um, I think he's missed a little bit of time this year. But even though, I mean, you know, he's three sacks, two forced fumbles, two interceptions, five pass breakups, and over fifty tackles on the year. Um, he's a kid that can do a lot of things. And and when you watch them on film, you see him doing a lot of things. Now he can only do so much. He can't be a one man show. And and that's that's the biggest difference I see. And, and honestly, it may be across the line of scrimmage. Um last year they rotated defensive linemen, I recall, in that game. They moved a lot. And honestly, what they did was similar to what Ole Miss saw Tulane do earlier in the year. But they're not running those schemes with the same players that Tulane has right now. It, on the front in particular. And so, you know, they're 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 sound in what they're trying to do defensively, but there are times where they have to take risk, and and when you execute offensively, those risks really cause them problems. I mean, they're they're not putting up great numbers defensively. That's it's no secret. I mean, they're giving up, I think, two sixty three per game in the air, around one seventy five um, on the ground. But at the same time, they're a team that's they. Turns you over nine times. They, they they have nine interceptions. Um, there've been a f- handful of fumble recoveries as well. Um, and then, you know, they're they're also a team that, aside from those interceptions, um, you know they've they've run up 
uh, some sacks in a few games. They don't have high sack numbers. They're they're not elite, um, but they they have kind of run some numbers up, um, and and they're doing it with kind of some different bodies. Um, uh, Clifton, one of their D linemen, I think leads the team in sacks. I think he's got three on the year. He's pretty active, and a lot of it just comes from how they try to manipulate pass uh, pass pro. And we're going to look at some of that today. Um, offensively, you know, making the change, you know, AJ Swan, talented player, second year player. He's from right down the road for me. I saw him play in high school, know the guys that coached him. He, he is a talented player. Um, he is also a little bit, can be a little bit of a gunslinger, probably be a little bit more aggressive going with seals. And when you look at the numbers over the course of the season, um, AJ's got more attempts, more completions, more yards. Um, he also has a lot more interceptions, which is to be expected. Um, but when you watch seals play, he does a, he understands the offense and, and what I will give them credit for offensively at Vanderbilt is they have a really good approach of giving him simple sound reads. And he does a really good job of processing through taking what's there. Now he'll make mistakes, but every now and again, he'll make an impre- really impressive throw. But they do a great job as a staff of putting him in a situation to be successful. So I kind of thought where we would start tonight is we would look at some of those things that they do offensively um, to to really try and make him successful and and give him um, give him some some easy throws and then some easy things in the run game. You know they they will run a lot of zone read, but they really, especially before Swan was was back and healthy. They knew they needed to protect him. Um, so, like, you know, a lot of what I'm going to show today, really all of what I'm going to show today, is from the Georgia game last week. Um, and so, um, you know, against Georgia, they didn't want to run seals, right? In the Florida game, there's there's a little bit more zone read, a little bit more. There weren't a ton of opportunities in this game for him to run. Now, they ran him early, like third, fourth offensive snap of the game. He had a read play where he ended up pulling it. Um, but it, it's not who they want to be. What they want to do is give him easy ways to get the ball on the perimeter because they're not great up front. They're going to be selective about how they run the ball unless they just really feel confident in in their matchups up front. Um, and obviously against Georgia, that's that's not something that you were going to see. But even as an offense, I think they, they're last in the league at 83 yards a game or something like that as a running team. Um, the interesting thing about their passing numbers is they're if I if I read it correctly, they're averaging like 265 yards per game in the air, which is you add up their total yardage, they're fourth in the SEC in passing. But you actually look at their yards per game and they're sixth in the SEC. Um and some of that just has to do with where bye weeks fall and and, and some of that kind of stuff uh at this point of the season. But they're they know that for them to to be successful, they're going to have to spread the ball around and try to hit you in some easy things on the perimeter because they're not typically going to have a ton of success just trying to go um, up the middle in the run game. So vast difference from what Ole Miss faced last week and in a lot of ways even the week before. Um, so as you kind of look at some of these things, one of my favorite things that, that I think they do – very kind of pro-style mindset in my mind, is they do a lot of what I like to call unpackaging formations. They will start one way. They will change the picture pre-snap to try to give the quarterback some easy indicators. And then by doing so, you're hoping the defense kind of shows its cards a little bit, right? And you can can help simplify the read for the quarterback. So here, they're going to start. It, it, it is an 11P formation. So you're one running back one tight end, three wide receivers on the field, and they're in the shotgun with bunch to the left of the quarterback. They're going to take the outside receiver in this bunch, and they're going to motion him across the formation, and they can tell by the reaction of the defense that this isn't a man-to-man coverage. They're getting zone right here. There's very little movement from the defense. The safeties barely adjust. The backers adjust over one step. Okay, it's not going to be a pressure look. It's not going to be some type of man or heavy rotation look. And so this is how they're going to start the game, and they're going to give him a very simple 
uh, a very simple concept. It, it's one that a lot of teams run. We run it. It's a day one install for us that we like in a lot of different situations. So they're going to split the field in half for the quarterback. And to his left, to the three-man side, they're going to build in a spacing concept. So you're going to have one player is going to spot up over the ball. One player is going to expand a little bit, and he's going to work a little bit deeper for this intermediate hook area. And then the running back, whether it's a swing or an arrow route, is going to present himself in the flat. On the back side, they're going to work some type of two-man game. The most typical one is going to be a stick by the outside receiver with a flat route by the inside receiver. Some people will invert those. Um, Typically, the guy on the line is going to be the stick route. The guy off the ball is going to be the one in the flat. Okay, But the quarterback's just able to take easy pre-snap picture and, and run the math right here. Okay, His eyes at the start of this, if he has any question, is probably going to read this weak side linebacker. If the weak side linebacker pushes towards the running back when the running back releases, the defense has me outnumbered to my left, so I need to work to my weak side. If pre-snap the numbers dictate that I get an easy two-on-two on the back side, I'm going to take the two-on-two. I don't have to be great in pass protection here because I'm going to be able to get the ball out in a hurry. So there it is right there. He takes the picture, and you can see this wheel linebacker to the right of the quarterback immediately turns and works to the right. So now with the safety over the top, Georgia is three over two to the right of the quarterback. So he's going to come back the other way looking at his OTB route, and because of the pressure, he's got to try to get it out right now. Okay, so he throws the OTB right there to his receiver over the ball. Had the pressure held up any better? Had they not turned loose this late pressure? And again, you know, similar to kind of we talked about this when we watched the Tulane game at the start of the season, when you compress these formations, and they do a decent amount of this, it's sometimes hard to tell who's in the pressure package. So Georgia, even though they're not showing a pressure look, they're going to bring this player late into the package. And in this five-man protection, they're not able to sort it out. If he has time to get through this, had he flipped his protection the other direction and they've been able to pick up that pressure, he would have gotten to the second man in the read, which would have been the, the hook route. My mouse is acting crazy. Would have been the hook route out here on the hash but because of the pressure, he goes to his first read, which is this over-the-ball route. So, again, it's a very simple way to diagnose the defense, try to get the offense in a rhythm on first and 10, get you ahead of the sticks, and give you a chance to, to get rolling on second down. That linebacker closed so fast. Oh, so fast. Oh, my that, God. That, Look at that. I mean, that dude yeah, covers that, 10 yards in like a second. There's a – Speed exists on that roster. Yeah, I mean, I just, I, I didn't mean to disrupt. <laughs> I just, I just kept noticing. I'm like, where did he come from? And then you showed it again. I'm like, oh my god, he was 15 yards away. Yeah, he, he, he shows up in a hurry. Closes a lot, lot of, a lot of space. Okay, so going back, all right, this is the the very next snap. So now you're in a a second and medium now for Vanderbilt. So they're going to come out and they're going to give you, um, you know, again another very simple intermediate passing game, kind of a quick game concept. Um, Again, it's one that everybody in America runs. It was, uh, you know, one of the early completions Auburn had in the game uh, the other night. They're going to run the inside guys on a corner route. The outside guy's going to sit in this snag window. They're going to push the tailback to the flat. Doing it with two backs in the backfield, they can build a six-man protection. And then on the back side, it may be called, it may be game planned, it may be signaled at the line of scrimmage. A lot of times, you're, you know, it just may be built in as a choice route based on coverage, whatever. And a lot of times when you're pressed, this is going to convert to a vertical. Okay, here, they're actually going to build it in as a stop route or some type of hitch route. Okay, pre-snap, he's checking the numbers. You see both linebackers are cheated to the left of the offense. You've got the nickel defender, a corner, and a safety. So you've essentially got five over three once your back releases 
You're two over one with the what looks like a one-on-one matchup to the boundary. So he's going to go ahead and he's going to work this ball um, down down to the boundary. And he he's got he's got a lot of confidence in that if he can get the ball out in rhythm and and make a catchable ball, he's got some guys that he thinks can make a play. And you can see his receiver here, George is playing a a man technique. He's going to set him up. He's going to work him to the sticks. Just get right past the sticks. He's going to turn around. The ball is out in perfect rhythm with no hesitation from the quarterback. Good ball. Pressure has a hard time getting there. It's good execution. Yeah, good ball. And that's the more I watch of Seals in particular, you you see signs of his understanding and his execution and his confidence um, kind of in this system. So we're the very next play. They're going to come back, and again, they're they're going to unpack the formation again. So they're going to start. Let me let me run it back. They're going to start in one picture. They're going to show the defense one thing. Uh, come on, back up. So they're going to show the defense this kind of overloaded set all the way back. I don't know why everything's acting funny this morning. All right, so they're going to show the defense one picture. They're going to move some guys around, and they end up shifting kind of into this set. So now they're going to put the same the same pass concept into the boundary, the same snag. So it's going to be corner route. Here's my snag route. He's going to work to the flat. So I'm building the same passing triangle I just built. I'm building layers into the coverage. All right. And on the back side, they got the one-on-one last time. Okay. And maybe they feel confident again. So now they're going to put their half back. It's either on what's called a Texas route or it's an option route. If it's an option route, they're going to isolate him on this wheel linebacker. If this linebacker is playing inside, he's going to break out. If the linebacker is playing over the top, he's going to break inside. If it is a true Texas route, then the player is going to set him up, show he's moving outside, and it's automatically declared that he's going to come underneath. For the quarterback, again, we're just playing the numbers game. Where does the Mike linebacker go? If the Mike linebacker turns and pushes for width here, that means they've isolated the underneath defender on this wheel linebacker, and they're going to trust their matchup with the tailback. So as the play starts, there it is. The mic is, is dropping to the three-receiver side. So now you see the tailback. It looks like the option route. He's going to release, and he's going to go right to step on the toes of that wheel linebacker. He gets The linebacker gets his hips opened outside. He's playing a little bit over the top, so the running back cuts right back underneath. There's an easy throw, and you're looking at like a 14- or 15-yard gain on a first and 10 because they they just found a way to isolate one of their guys and and get them a little bit of a matchup. Okay. Um, you know, when you talk about in in kind of the conversation early on and um, you know, you can you can follow up with Siski if you want, but you know, there's talk about speed at the linebacker level in the Ole Miss defense, right? And and this is one of those things that if you're going to allow those linebackers to get caught up in these man-to-man one-on-one matchups, with running backs, Vanderbilt has shown they will get those guys out, get them into these option routes, get them into some different looks if you're going to isolate those guys. And the quarterback does a really nice job of seeing these isolations and taking advantage of it. Okay. Here's real another quick, one. Okay. Real quick, Pete, hold, hold your thought. Right, real quick, I'm going to ask you if you're ready for your ready to elevate your college football game day experience. Check out Twisted Tea, your go-to game day beverage for college football fans. Twisted Tea is unlike any hard beverage you've had before. It's made with uh, real brewed tea, packs a flavorful punch, five percent alcohol, no carbonation, delivering the perfect balance of taste and refreshment that goes down smooth for every game day occasion. Whether you're tailgating in the stadium, parking lot, watching at a bar, or, or hosting friends at home, Twisted Tea is there to elevate game day experience. It perfectly complements your love for college football and your passion for creating unforgettable moments. So let's toast to unforgettable game day experience with Twisted Tea, the drink that fuels fun, celebrates your love for college football. Keep it twisted. Pete, go ahead. So just another example, you know, hey, unpack your cooler, right? Load it down with some Twisted Tea. 
Vanderbilt's <laughs> going to do the same thing with the formation right here. They're, okay, they're going to start with this bunch kind of out wide to the right of the offense, and then they're going to motion their tight end in so they can now get into one of their base run schemes. And they've done this a couple of different ways. So they're moving into this base run scheme. But what this is doing, all this movement, again, we're just painting a picture for the quarterback. As soon as the tight end adjusts, you see the adjustment by the defense. The linebacker bumps back into the box. The nickel bumps back into more of an apex position where he's a little bit more of a run player. So what they're going to do is they're going to put a very easy RPO in front of the quarterback. Now, they've got numbers to potentially block the box. But if this defender is going to be a run-first player, the too-high safety look leaves them some grass to work their RPO. So they're going to work the inside receiver down the hash to hold the safety, and they're going to come right behind him with the outside receiver on this glance route. And if these backers fit inside, they're going to be able to, uh, to attack it. So they use the motion again, show the quarterback the look, see if you're going to get any type of rotation or movement. So balls in the belly right there. Okay. And the, the Mike linebacker actually turns to fit and is downhill in the run game. The nickel is actually getting depth and he's looking to wall number two. And as he sees him going to do that, right when that glance route breaks underneath him, you see all the space that has been created. It is a very easy throw and catch. And and this is first drive of the game against the number one team in the country. And, and you know, they're, they're able to generate opportunities for some explosive plays. And it's just well execution. It's, you know, the, the O-line, if they hand this ball off, there's not a whole lot of ground to be covered. They're going to pick up a couple of yards. But the quarterback 100% understands what the scheme is, what the defense is doing, and as soon as he sees that nickel lift out of there, he knows where the grass is, and he's able to take advantage of it. And they do have – I mean, they're offering kids scholarships. It's not like they're just accepting kids off the street that want to wear a helmet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they may not be the same kids that <laughs> Alabama and Georgia offer, but the kids are still on scholarship, right? Yeah. So it's not they like they like just run have and run. They can run and everything, yeah. Yeah, and and probably chew gum and tie their shoes. Like, uh, you know – um. That was a hell of a play right there. That, that he hit him in stride. He absolutely hit him in stride. Perfect example of taking advantage of what the coverage is. You know, just really clear understanding of of what he sees in front of him, understanding what's going on here um, in in the offense. So now they're going to get back. They're in their next drive. Um, they're a couple plays into it now, and they're going to go right back to their intermediate game. So they're going to work a spacing concept now, similar to what they worked on the very first play. So they're going to work the inside receivers. The tight end really is going to be over the ball, looking to claim space. They're going to go claim this hook area. And they started in a two-by-two, and they motioned one of their receivers behind. And he's going to get out now, and he's going to become the flat player. Again, very simple read for the quarterback. Um, makes it easy for him to, to kind of diagnose the coverage. They're going to get out the back door. They're going to outside receivers going to have the same kind of snag route. They're going to release that tailback, um, out on the wheel route. And the quarterback is just going to, he's going to read this very similar to how he read the first, uh, the first play. And if we go to the end zone copy, you can actually kind of see his eyes a little bit. Okay. As, as the motion happened, the ball snapped his eyes right now are right here on number 10. As soon as 10 drops this way, he knows he's got to work to the field. So now his eyes are going to go to number two. So there he goes. He sees 10 is declared. So now where's two? Two is hugging my OTB. He's taking that route away. Move on in the progression. Ball's out in rhythm. Let the motion affect all the underneath coverage. You know, it's not a complex scheme. I mean, it's – but when well executed, there's a reason – Every, you know, people at every level of football carry these things in their offense, you know, week in and week out because they can be very effective. Okay. Um, I just thought this was a great example. This is, I believe it's a third and long, a little bit later in the game. It is a really just, it shows again the quarterback's understanding 
And probably part of what's given him a leg up and in, in, in getting the nod and not being A.J. Swan here, A.J. is going to try to push the ball. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Seals will take what is there and let his guys work for him. And a lot of coaches will say you never go broke when you make a profit, right? And this kid is going to make a profit. If you give him a chance to make an easy throw and his guy can go get yards, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, his calling card is that he doesn't turn it over. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely. So they started in a two-by-two formation. This receiver was down here to the bottom. You have a tight end on the left. They motion across to end up in a three-by-one. So what they're going to do right here is they're going to take the inside receiver to the top of the screen, and he's going to work the seam. And if the coverage were to rotate, if it were to become some type of cover three, he probably has an alert where he can try to hit that seam right now. As long as that safety doesn't rotate off the hash or if this backside safety were to rotate over, that dagger's prior, that seam route's probably out of his progression. Okay. So here's the seam. The guy that's coming motion is going to set up and he's going to go stick at about five yards. And if there's any defender there, he is going to turn, show numbers to the quarterback and then work outside right now. And his job is to pull any defender outside to the numbers. Okay. Behind that, the outside receiver is now going to work an in cut, okay? A dig or a basic lot. This concept is typically known as a dagger concept, okay? Uh, Kiffin runs this. He calls it spin. It's what he's been calling it for years. I assume it's still the same thing. But this underneath player, so what you're going to look for as the quarterback is somebody's responsible for being the curl flat player. So let's say right here this guy drops out here, to this, this little stop route that then works outside, this pull route as we call it in our offense. If it's effective and it pulls that defender outside, you've created an opening in this curl window to throw the dig for the first down. If that defender sits and gets to the curl to protect the curl, you have to push the ball out to your flat player now and hope that he can get the check down for you. So right here, you see it. Seam route's going to push up the field, is going to eat the safety. Georgia's going to blitz off the edge, and they're going to let their Mike linebacker, who's at the line of scrimmage in B-gap, try to push out to be this curl player. Again, it's impressive, right? So he's going to push out. He gets to the little pull route. He sees it. Now, here's the guy sticks his foot in the ground. He's going to work back outside. The player's late working with him. So instead of sitting there and holding on to the ball on a third and long, instead of sitting and waiting, waiting, waiting on that dig to come open, he realizes now it's like they're playing this quarter's look. 
The corner is working off. He's being protected by the release of one. So then nobody gets out to my whip route. I'm going to give it to him right now. Easy throw and catch. It's almost a 20-yard gain on a third and 10 because he just understands what he sees. He's able to diagnose the coverage, and they give him just enough time um, to to get it off. All right. Um, Show you just a couple more. Um, This is always a cool – this was really in vogue for a couple of years um, in college football. Um, Joe Moorhead, who, of course, Ole Miss fans know, used to be at Mississippi State. Joe Moorhead did a ton of this. Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen did a lot of this at Utah. Um, so, And you see Ole Miss run a lot of power read, where they're going to bring a guy across the belly of the quarterback. They're going to block down up front and pull a guard, and they're going to read this end. And if the end's upfield, the quarterback would keep it. And if the end squeezes, the quarterback gives it. Well, they don't want Seals running this. So they're going to block it the same way. They're going to try to go and they're going to try to, you know, somehow sort out the edge with bodies and get blockers. They're going to bring the tailback across the quarterback's bow and they're they're going to read C gap. Okay. And as they do, instead of giving the quarterback the option to run, if he pulls it, they're going to pull their tight end behind the guard that's pulling for the linebacker. And the quarterback has the ability <clears throat> to shovel pass the ball underneath to the tight end. Okay. Again, people have done it. It's not like it's brand new, but it's always an interesting wrinkle to see, to see who carries it, to see how effective it is. Because as these linebackers are taught to get their reads in the run game, they're not reading that tight end on the backside that's pulling. He's not going to. So a lot of times you end up. Uh, you know, with a, a backside cutback player, a safety or something of that actually having to make the play. This particular snap, he gets a handoff read. He hands it off, but you can see they pull the tight end. The tight end is looking for it, and the quarterback has the ability to shuffle it to him, to shovel and, and let him get upfield with it. So I just, it's a cool oh, little wrinkle. Cool, I thought I'd that, show the fans. That's a cool design. You don't see that very often. No, you, you don't see it a ton. And honestly, you probably see it. Andy Reid and the Chiefs do it quite a bit. I mean, when you've got Travis Kelsey, you do whatever the hell you want. And you've got Mahomes and you get to make stuff look really fun and easy. Um, but you, you don't see it a ton I mean, in college one of football. Taylor Swift's favorite plays. That, she loves that play. So, I mean, <laughs> absolutely. It's you know, going to be on the next album. I think it's, yeah, it's the Power Reed Shovel. It's the um, but, uh, Shovel. Yeah. But but a lot of times when you see it, honestly, you see it in the red zone. You see it in the goal line type situation. Here they pull it out in midfield. So I wanted to show that because I thought it was a cool little wrinkle. And then um, I just I'm going to skip forward a little bit. So I'm not telling you that this kid at quarterback is is an elite player. I think he's got a really good understanding of the offense. I think the scheme is good. He does a great job getting it to guys. But every now and again, he'll make a throw that makes you go, oh, that's, that's impressive. So I thought this was a good one. Um, and I'm just going to kind of show it to you from the end zone. So he's felt some pressure at this point, and he feels it early on this snap. And he goes ahead and he gets out of the pocket. And it's actually, you know, one of the few times where I thought that maybe he could have tried to take an underneath easier throw, and he turns it down to push the ball down the field. But I thought – Making the throw to this crosser, 14, is being held up right here, coming from the backside, on the move right here under duress. That is an absolute big-time throw, and it is a really good catch by the kid, too. And so I wanted to put this on here to show you, like, he's not just checked down Charlie. Everything is not going to be short little five-yard passes. Um, He does have the ability to make some things happen um, down That's the field. A a little bit. That's a nice it, play. It, it is. It's. I watched it several times, and I couldn't decide if I like the throw or the catch better because they're they're actually uh, both really impressive. And the then throw but, took a pair to 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 make oh, that throw because you've been watching him and it's check down, check down. I'm gonna take what you give me. I'm gonna take what you give me, and that's an aggressive throw because like the his his option in the end zone is kind of covered up, and at first yes. you think maybe he's gonna go there. And then you see the 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 easy one underneath, and you're like, okay, well, that's where he's going because that's there. And, and then, that been, and that would have been a good decision too. Yep. But he's like, no, no, I'm I'm taking this shot right here, and it was a and, hell of a throw. And takes it with a lot of confidence. Yeah. Um, 
Last one I'm going to show, and this just look, this is this is again, these are things that you see everybody do in these situations. Man to man situation down on the goal line. Um, you know, so one of the most common things you'll see is you'll see teams in a three by one formation down here, they'll run a corner route and they'll bring both guys underneath. And if the defenders are off, <clears throat> they're going to push to about five yards before they break underneath. And if the defenders are tighter, it's going to be a little bit more like a, a slant route. Here, what you're going to see, great execution, great timing, is the tight end is going to outside stem his release to create a natural rub on the defender that's over the slot. The slot's going to set it up, work to his outside hip, and he's going to come right underneath and kind of rub paint with his tight end and the ball is on time uh, so that nobody can switch it off or the inside backer can't get out underneath it. It's just well executed. Again, I mean, it's Vandy. We assume they're smart kids, right? So they understand what they're being coached right here. It's well executed. You see the patience. You see the setup. um, And you see them just do a really good job. Oops, wrong clip. You see them just do a really good job of executing this really simple scheme but doing it in rhythm, on time, with high understanding of what they're trying to do and gets them in the end zone against Georgia. Yeah, that's a nice play, too. You know, the thing about Clark Lee, I've said this, and you can tell me you think I'm crazy. I mean, obviously, I like the guy. I joke around about he and I kind of look alike and blah, blah, blah. But but I've great always, he does have a great haircut. I've met Clark a couple of times. I really like him. There's a part of me, and this is nothing against Marcus Freeman, but there's a part of me that wonders sometimes if Clark Lee had gotten the job at Notre Dame, where would they be today? He he is he is talent deficient where he is. They are not scheme deficient in what I see. Yeah. Um that 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 is that is certainly the case. I've had um, multiple people in your your world tell me that that hey it's not it's not a lack of effort. It's no. not a lack of intelligence. It's not a lack of understanding of what they're trying to do. It's just they just don't have the players. And it's both sides of the ball. I mean, the guys he's hired, they're 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 clearly doing a good job with what they have, mind you. Um, you know, defensively, and and that's that's where he's cut his teeth and and kind of earned him, um, you know, earned him this job ultimately. Um, is is they're they're very multiple. They're going to give you a lot of different looks. They're going to play some different coverages on the back end. They're going to give you different fronts. They're going to give you different movements. And they're going to do a lot of things. And, you know, one thing in particular is, is you know, Ole Miss has a great communication system that they use pre-snap to try and help get the quarterback and thus the offense in the right situation. Um, Lane doesn't talk a lot about it publicly. I wish I knew more about it than I do, but you see, it, it's not like you know. For a long time, no huddle offenses would come to the line of script, fake a snap count. Everybody would turn and look. Ole Miss gets a signal. They line up on the ball, and the quarterback kind of looks to see, okay, is this what we still want? And if they change it, you'll see him step up, and he kind of puts his hand out and easy, 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 and he changes the play. And they don't ever even go through the process of faking the cadence. But if they get the alignment that they want and they're satisfied with their play call, they just thumbs up, okay, signal, I don't know what it is. And they just go run what's executed, right? And they do a great job kind of managing that. And that's going to be important in this game with all the different looks that Vanderbilt's going to give you defensively. And so here, you know, Georgia comes out early in the game, um, you know, in a 10 P formation. So you're four receivers, one running back. There's, you know, they're tight. There's a tight end on the field, but he's lined up as a receiver. Um, and not, not as a traditional tight end. And Georgia wants to run the football right here. Well, they, they're playing a split field coverage. So they've kind of split the field in half coverage wise and they're playing a cover four look to the field. So they're three over two. You're going to have a little bit of a hard time throwing any type of an RPO to this side of the field unless you're going to push the ball all the way to the outside receiver, which is a long throw. The corner has a chance to go trigger. Now, part of the reason that they can do a lot of this stuff is the best player on their defense that I talked about earlier, 
this is him. So he's able to cover a lot of ground. He can play over the top of this guy, be physical enough to be effective if you want to throw screens and do things of that nature. But he's also good enough in coverage that if you want to, say, take run a slant with this player, he's good enough in coverage to cover it up, knowing he's got some help over the top, and he can be effective in all those schemes. To the boundary, it, it looks different. All right, they're they're playing some type. It might be a read concept where these two guys are basically playing some type of man-to-man. It can be a cover four where they're going to push him out late. But the big thing that has to stand out here is if you want to run the ball with no tight end, which Ole Miss does a lot, there are six defenders in the box. So how are you going to build your numbers to attack in the run game? The first way to do it is by reading somebody, and Ole Miss does it a ton, especially when they're in their 10P run game. The other thing Ole Miss does a ton of in their 10P run game is they will run a version of what's typically known as dart, where they will block out on the end and they will pull the tackle for the linebacker. Well, to do that, you can still man up on this side But in order to do it, you're outnumbered if you hand this ball off. So you have to give the quarterback some type of a relief to the boundary, whether that be with a screen, whether it be with some type of a quick route, like a hitch route. Okay, you've got to do something to account for the extra hat that's in the box. Georgia, for all the talent that they've accrued over the years, comes out here. They don't give him anything on the outside. They just block everything up, and the math doesn't work in their favor. There's an unblocked defender. There's a stunt on for the run right there. The ball has to spill to the outside, and they're well coached. They're going to spoke to the football, and on second and three right here, they drop them for a loss, get them into a third and four, third and five. Now, Ole Miss doesn't play a whole lot of snaps where they're not (coughs) either A, reading somebody in the box or be given the quarterback and perimeter RPO. Um, and that's what George has chosen to do on this particular snap. But if you're not going to do those things, if you're not going to kind of change that picture and, and, and find a way to read somebody or get the ball in the perimeter in a hurry, there's going to be times where Vandy is going to take away the run by being aggressive in the box. And then there's going to be times where they give you a lighter run box and they're going to make sure to defend on the perimeter. But that picture is almost always guaranteed to change pre-snap. You can see here, even though one is out over all the way out over two, they're going to go ahead and they're going to bring him late from the field. And they're good with him coming from that wide because, the, and, and again, you know, earlier I said it looked like cover four, but they're actually, they're changing the picture right here. They're buzzing this weak side safety down. So if you are Jackson Dart and you see this pressure and you think, okay, I'm going to throw this slant, they're bringing this boundary safety to the field to cut that RPO, and they're getting into what's actually a one-high look right here. Okay, So they're going to do a lot of things to try to manipulate numbers and to try to bring guys, put guys in places where you don't expect them to be. A lot of those types of rotations – a lot of movement up front as well. Kind of moving on, and, and this is, you know, this is one of the things they do a good job of. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of the in vogue thing in football right now. And, and Ole Miss and Pete Golding have certainly been a beneficiary of this. And we've talked about it kind of in, in some of our earlier shows, but simulated pressures and creepers are very big right now um, in the football world. So if you look at this picture pre-snap, Georgia is in a four-wide set with three receivers to the left. The only receiver to the right is is kind of has a reduced split. It's actually, I think, Bowers, the tight end, is you know he's three, four yards maybe outside of the offensive tackle right here. Well, Vandy has one, two, three, four, five guys at the line of scrimmage one guy a yard off, and because of the tight split by Bowers, there's a six guy just outside the tackle, okay? So on the line of scrimmage, you have seven defenders essentially at the line of scrimmage right here, all in position to blitz. 
what they're going to do is they're actually only going to bring four. But as an offensive line, if you haven't guessed right, if you haven't put your protection as a quarterback the right way, they're going to find a way to exploit your protection. And all those other guys are going to pop out underneath to try and wall off and eliminate quick and easy throws. So you can see here, again, early in the game um, against Georgia, you see they're going to pull all three of those stand-up backers are now going to pull out. They're going to turn and run, okay? And they're going to end up with just just a minimal, you know, it's not a major rush. It's not a major blitz look. But because of all the action and when they start twisting D linemen and looping guys, if the front is set the wrong way, if the protection is set the wrong way, you can see how it's easy to create the disadvantage right there. Okay. So they're showing you essentially head up of the center plus one, two, three, four additional guys to that side. Georgia is going to have their fan and they're going to lock onto this guy and they're going to fan for the two that are on the left and they're going to count on their running back to be part of the protection count to the right. Well, when both of these guys over the center and guard drop out, and then they're going to cross face with both of these defenders and bring the fourth player from the perimeter. If the center is set to working to his left right here, you've now your three, your three on three. It's as good as you can get. Nobody gets a chance to be double teamed in the progression. And you hope that the movement is enough to falter, which is exactly what happens right there and they get a sack fumble early in this game. You know, it's just it's great execution to, one, manipulate pressure or manipulate protection, two, drop out, get underneath all of the hot routes. If he does get this ball out in time, there's nowhere he's going to go with it that's going to produce a big play. He's going to have to throw to one of his hots, and they're in every window and they're able to create the turnover early. So staying out of those situations, that is one thing we can say that we've seen this this season from Ole Miss, from Jackson Dart. He doesn't always handle adjusting his five-man protections the way Kiffin might want him to, right? And so even with his six-man protections, being able to sort some of these things out, knowing where his reliefs are and trying to handle all those things – will certainly be a big part of of the success in the passing game um, for Ole Miss. You know, here, kind of moving on, it's the next drive for Georgia. And this you'll see them right here get gashed. And I'm going to go to the end zone. Um, so Vanderbilt's on defense. And they're, they're going to, you know, I said earlier, so they're going to take some risk defensively to try and create negative plays because ultimately I don't feel like they feel like they can hold up against most teams in the SEC. So they're going to work a, a cross-dog blitz right here. They're kind of banking on an inside run here from uh, from Georgia. So as the play develops, what you're going to see is that the D-line, in particular the nose, is going to slant out. They're bringing this backer into A-gap. Whoop, my mouse. Bringing this backer into A-gap. He is coming across now here. And they're expecting either him to get his hat inside late while the safety fits outside, or they're expecting the end to press it and for the safety to fit here. As it plays out, instead of being an inside run, it's a mid zone where the, now the back is working on a wider path and he's able to get to the hole. Georgia does a great job bringing a player from the outside to come crack the safety and they're able to kind of turn it into a little bit of an explosive and, and get the ball down the field in the run game, okay? But they are not afraid to use these aggressive movements and pressures in run-down situations to try and limit inside run game and try and get you um, confused up front. Again, reminiscent of things that we saw when Ole Miss played Tulane. There's definitely some similarities. This is the last one I'm going to show you. Um, actually, I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you one other. Okay. Um, so they will do some things where they are playing split field coverage. So right here, Georgia has a tight end to the right, three receivers to the left. Okay. 
and they're getting ready, and you can see it in the end zone, this safety's getting ready to work his coverage to the four-man side of the offensive formation. They've got the three receivers plus the tailback to to uh, to work that way. So he's getting ready to work that direction. It's a good design by UGA is they're going to motion the back up and out. And now they've again divided the defense. But now because there's two receivers to the left of the defense, now this safety that was going to work to the middle is now going to work opposite because he has to be conscious of Bowers up the hash. And what's going to happen as a result, because the, it doesn't get checked entirely on the back end, and this backer can't get to the window, you're going to see Georgia is going to push this number three receiver wide open right down the middle. They're going to push Bowers down the seam and, and just make it an easy read for the quarterback or read this boundary safety. If he's here, I'm going to push the ball to the middle of the field. If he works to the middle, I'm working the two-man game between the tight end and the running back. And you can see it here from the end zone. The safety's getting ready to work to the field. Just before the motion starts, you see his right foot starts to open, and then he sees the motion, communicates with his corner, and you can see wide open down the pipe. They've completely split the coverage and just miss it. One of the few misses Carson Beck has had an open guy all season long. Um, th- that I've seen, but it, great design. Ole Miss is going to find ways if they can split their coverage. Ole Miss is going to find ways to do it. I have zero doubt about that. They're going to find some things in the middle of the field. One of the ways that they might get there is actually one of the ways that they got there last week. Um, Ole Miss scored a touchdown last week. Um, and if, if you watched it, it was kind of funny and it was, it was a clip that if I had shown film from that game, I would have shown, but. Um, camera angle is different when you were watching on ESPN, but Dayton Wade is actually sitting here staring at the sideline and has no clue the ball was snapped when it snapped. Ole Miss on the play pushes the running back out, and what they're trying to do is show you the same snag concept that I showed you Vanderbilt run earlier to this side of the field. And then to the other side of the field, they push pre-scoring on the corner route, and they brought, I believe it was Franklin, comes, sits underneath on the snag route, lets the defender settle on him, and then bursts to the middle of the field, and Jackson Dart finds him in the end zone for an easy throw. Well, UGA is going to do the exact same thing because, again, expecting some split field coverage look here, try to open up the middle of the field. So they're going to do the same thing. Here, Georgia is going to use their outside receiver. McConkie's going to come settle. He's going to stab, try to get that linebacker to bite. The corner route here is going to eat the safety. And then they're going to push McConkey right down the middle, and they're going to get the big first down and the run after catch. Okay, so expect Ole Miss. They have different ways that they get to the middle of the field and manipulate the middle of the field. And in, in the games that I've seen, Vanderbilt will play one high coverages. But a lot of times when they show you the two high shell, like you see at the beginning of this play, it's, it's oftentimes going to stay that way. Um, especially if you're in a two by two formation with two receivers to the right, two to the left, um, they don't in they don't seem to end up in as much one high coverage with late rotation the way Ole Miss does defensively, um, the way that that Alabama does defensively. So if they if, if they continue to get these looks, Ole Miss is going to have ways to push the ball down the middle of the field, um, and and ultimately I think that um, you know as happy as Lane is, I think in some of the comments about running the football and doing what it takes to win the game, I think that they're going to look for some opportunities to kind of light up the passing game a little bit and, and get some more get some more uh, playmakers on the edge and doing some things down the field in the passing game. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think the interesting thing about Saturday is, and Kippen's kind of talked about this, where he's basically begged the fans to come and bring energy and all that, is he knows that his team has played a bunch of emotional games. He's got emotional games on the other side of this. It's Vanderbilt. It's a 25-point line, roughly. He knows that just bringing juice, not the dog, but juice is is going to be uh, it's going to be problematic and issue. It's just something he knows, and so it's it's the it's the emotional, psychological part of the game that complements the X and O part of the game that that goes with uh, what's coming Saturday. I mean, obviously, this is a game Ole Miss should win. I think Ole Miss wins. I think Ole Miss wins easily, but 
from a betting line standpoint, it's just how badly do you want to keep going when you know what's coming in the next couple of weeks? For sure. Yeah, it'll be, you know, teams have obviously, I mean, Vandy's, they're, like you said, they're over in the conference right now. But they've they've played with teams to a certain point in every game. Yeah. Um, and and I, I wouldn't expect Saturday to be to be any different, whether it's the second half onslaught like you saw last year, um, in this matchup, or or you know, at some point, obviously if you're an Ole Miss fan, you hope the levy breaks and and, and you pull away a little bit. But early on, they're, they're a well coached team. They got players that are going to show up and play with pride, and Lane yeah. knows that. No doubt. Next week we will turn our attention to uh, a team that will be playing likely desperate, and that's Texas A&M, Ole Miss and Texas A&M, 11 a.m. next Saturday. That show, just like this show, brought to you by Riverland Roofing. Don't forget, uh, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a uh, maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered home or business as a GAF master elite contractor that can offer warranties that last a lifetime. So text or call them today at 662-644-4297. Uh, we'll be back, as I mentioned, next week. We'll get you ready for Texas A&M and Ole Miss here on Pete's Pigskin Preview. For Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. Until next time, take care.